on a scale of 1 to 10. How hungry are you? 1 means you're stuffed right now. 10 means you are famished. Where would you put yourself on the hunger scale? Before I move my daughter into her dorm room in Tampa, Florida, almost two years ago now, I made a special gift for her. Though I wouldn't say it was as much for her as it was probably for her roommates and her sweetmates. I made my daughter an official hangry ometer. Behind the top panel of glass, it says, in case of emergency. And if you look at the hangryometer, you see that it is in dark red. And then in the bottom pane of glass, in case of emergency, break glass here. And in that quadrant is a real full-size Hershey candy bar. If I were a mean father, I would have replaced the glass with plexiglass. <laughs> but I didn't want to do that to her roommates either. Hunger is a universal experience. We all understand the need to feed our bodies. We live, we breathe, we play, we study, we move, we labor, and these bodies need constant refueling. Even the littlest among us know the pains of hungry tummies, and they let everyone around them know. Our bodies need regular nourishment. In fact, our bodies need food to live. The simple truth is the same with our souls also. The human soul, it's not confined to one particular organ, but it really encompasses the entirety of our being. The human soul needs nourishment, like our bodies. 
our souls grow weary and get tired and they get worn down. The stresses, the strains, and the struggles of this broken world and broken life take their toll on the soul. And as a result, we experience a different kind of hunger, a hunger in here, an emptiness in our soul that cries out to be replenished. It's not interesting, I should say, that even many non-Christians seem to have this sense that the soul needs fed. In fact, Dr. Ryan McDowell, who is a psychotherapist, teaches on meditation and transformational healing. She has authored several articles and speaks at conferences around this country. And in 2009, she even wrote an article called 50 Ways to Feed Your Soul. It was interesting, some of her suggestions of the 50 are have a pillow fight, take a walk in the forest, smell a baby. Be careful with that one. <laughs> Swim with dolphins, finger paints, play with a puppy, make snow angels, not Sing in the shower, smell a rose, talk with the angels, though she never says what to say or how to speak to them. Surrender to love. And again, she doesn't really define love or what it means to surrender to love. Or she says, forgive yourself. Fully. Now, don't get me wrong, I enjoy a good pillow fight, a walk in nature, playing with the dog occasionally. But as I read her suggestions to nourish my soul, they seem a little hollow, barren, inadequate to help me face the real struggles and hardships and challenges and difficulties in this life. The very things that wear us down. Maybe it's an illness, or maybe it's ill treatment, 
or this frenzied pace in our Western culture or unmet dreams or even failed aspirations. Not to mention all the strife in here from our own sin and fears and anxiety and loneliness and discontent and guilt. I look at these 50 ways to feed your soul and they just seem to come up short of any real sustenance in here. And so our souls get parched and our souls desperately need nourishment. And yet tonight, on the night when Jesus would be betrayed, we have a very special meal. It is a meal that God himself arranged for his people on the night before the exodus, the freeing of God's people from slavery in Egypt. And for thousands of years, for generations, the people of God have been eating and drinking the Passover meal as a remembrance and as a testimony to the goodness of our God and his acts of salvation. But on this particular night, some 1,500 years after that first Passover, Jesus took the unleavened bread on the table. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the third of four Passover cups of wine. And he said, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Bread and wine, body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And whenever there is God's forgiveness of sins, there is also life, and there is salvation. Martin Luther, in his large catechism, 
when he was basking in the grace of this holy supper, said that this bite of bread and this sip of wine is food for the soul. Food for the soul. In this journey here unto life everlasting with Jesus, a journey that is so trying and tiring and exhausting, Jesus gives us himself. Himself to sustain us and to nourish food for even the hungriest of souls. Throughout Lent, we have been taking our gospel passage and putting it down, boiling it down, if you would, into seven words or less. And so tonight, we proclaim Jesus comes to feed our hungry souls. Amen. I have some here and practice questions for us to reflect on as we sit with his words tonight. What aspect of the Lord's Supper is especially meaningful to you? And how has Jesus' table made a difference in your walk with him? And is there a seven-word confession that comes to your mind? Go ahead and reflect on these now. If you're with someone, go ahead and have some conversation around them, and we'll continue the service momentarily. <clears throat> 